Welcome to Church History. I'm your host, Laura Lee Siemens. This is our summer season. I'm telling the stories of our great hymns. This podcast tells the story of the church in chronological order. We started with the story of Jesus and we have traveled through history into the 1800s. For this summer, we're going to tell the story of the church in chronological order through our great hymns. So, enjoy this summer season. Today we're looking at the song, And Can It Be, written by Charles Wesley. In season five, I did an episode on the Wesley Brothers, and I'm going to replay that episode for you today. At the end of that episode, I talk about one of their friends, William Wilberforce, and I'm going to put the links to those episodes about his life in the show notes. I'll also put links to the episodes on Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, and John Newton, all important men in church history from this time period. Enjoy the story of the Wesley brothers. Today we're talking about the Wesley family. Samuel Wesley was the father of the family and had a hard time getting things done. Samuel and Susanna were the parents of the family. Samuel was a preacher and Susanna was the daughter of a preacher. So the church was, of course, very important to them. Susanna was a very strong-willed woman and stood her ground with her husband. During this time, Stuart King James had been overthrown and his son-in-law, William, had been put on the throne. Susanna supported King James and claimed King James as her king. However, Samuel supported King William and claimed King William as his king. The two fought so much over this, and eventually it led to a huge blow-up. One night, as the family was praying together, Samuel prayed for King William, and Susanna refused to say amen. Samuel was so angry that he said, if we have two kings, we will have two beds. And he left the family. He was gone for over a year. Eventually, the family was brought back together. However, Samuel soon left again when a friend of his was put on trial for heresy. Susanna was left to take care of the family. Of course, she brought her children to church each Sunday. Samuel had left a man in charge of his church while he was gone. Week after week, Susanna was disheartened when the man preached not from the Bible, but simply gave life advice to the people. Susanna started to teach her children Bible studies on Sunday afternoon, and soon other people from the church started to come to her home to hear the Bible study. By the time her husband returned a year later, over 200 people were meeting in the family home for Bible study, while the church had almost closed its doors because no one was attending anymore. Samuel was forced to leave the family again. This time it was because he took out loans in order to fund a book he was writing on the book of Job. The problem was that once the book was finished, no one wanted to read it, and Samuel was unable to pay back the loans. So he was sent to debtor's prison, leaving Suzanne again alone with the children. When Samuel was released and finally returned, the marriage continued to struggle. And that is where our podcast started today. One of their children woke to the smell of smoke. When the young girl woke to the smell of smoke and jumped from her bed to wake her siblings, it turned into a panic. The family all ran from the house and the father and older children had to help their mother from their bed and out the door. 
Once outside, the father started counting his children and realized he was one short. Their youngest child, John, was still inside. He had been sleeping in the attic. Samuel rushed back into the house and up the stairs. The smoke surrounded him and he could feel the heat of the fire. Halfway up the stairs, the wood beneath him gave way and he fell to the bottom floor. He was able to pull himself up and run out the back door. There was no way he could reach his child who was still trapped in the attic. The family huddled in a circle outside, praying and giving the soul of their young son to God. Neighbors started arriving, having been woken by the brightness of the flames that now engulfed the house. John was asleep in the attic. He woke up because of the bright light from the window. John rolled out of bed and crawled to a chest and then climbed on the chest to look out the window. He opened the window and looked out at his yard. The neighbors were all there with his family. The crowd, seeing little John, went into a panic. They could not just sit by and watch this little boy burn to death. One man climbed onto the shoulders of another man. He was still not tall enough. So a third man climbed onto his shoulders, and soon the men had created a human ladder. They could feel the heat of the fire, and if the man on the ground was to trip and fall, they would all be burned. They moved closer and closer to the fire, until the man at the top was able to reach little John. That night, the whole family was saved. And shortly after that, mother gave birth to another little boy, Charles. And Charles and John would become very close growing up, and the two would change England, and God would use them to bring a great revival. The Wesley family that night lost everything, but they still had each other. Well, sort of. Because the family home had burned down, the children had to be divided up and sent to different homes to live until the home could be rebuilt. Twenty years later, the brothers were studying at Oxford University. The boys had a group of friends that they would meet regularly with for Bible study and to do good deeds. Two of their friends were William Wilberforce and George Whitfield. We're going to talk about both of those men in the future. The group was obsessed with finding a way to be reconciled with God. They kept notebooks with them and wrote down every sin they committed so they could confess to the group and to God. They visited prisons, fed the poor, fasted twice a week, and they had very rigorous and detailed methods of prayer and Bible study. If you wanted to be friends with this group, you must follow all the methods that they had laid out. The other boys in the school started calling them the Holy Club. Then a more popular name was used, the Methodists. The group loved the term Holy Club, but they were embarrassed by the term Methodist. After leaving Oxford, the brothers began preaching. They preached their new Methodist rigorous ways of keeping oneself holy. They also spent a lot of time in the prisons preaching. The prisons were so full that a large group of prisoners were put on a boat and shipped to the Americas. They would live in a new colony called Georgia. The boys were asked to go to Georgia to pastor church in Georgia for the now much larger congregation, and the brothers agreed. On the way to Georgia, the boat was hit with a storm, and it seemed they would soon go down and drown. Both Charles and John were in a panic, sure that they would die. But another group on board didn't seem to be panicked at all. They stated so clearly they were sure that they would see Jesus and be with him if they died, so they had no reason to fear death. 
Even the small children from this group were singing with no fear of death. Charles and John could not understand how these people could be so sure of their eternal destination. The storm ended, and they all survived, and in 1735 they landed in Georgia. They preached their method of holiness, and demanded those in the church follow their methods. The congregation was not happy with them, and after a short period of time, the brothers were forced to return to London. The brothers were discouraged, hurt, embarrassed, and questioning God. They met a man named Peter, who talked to them about God's grace and God's love. The brothers had many long conversations with Peter. Could it be that these pious young preachers had never actually understood the gospel? On May 21st, 1738, Charles finally understood the gospel and called out to Jesus Christ, asking for forgiveness for his sins and trusting in Jesus' work on the cross alone to save him. He felt immediately the peace and assurance he had seen on the faces of those who had almost been shipwrecked with him on the journey to the Americas. Three days later, John was headed into a church for weekday services. The preacher was reading the introduction to Romans, written by Martin Luther. Suddenly, John felt his heart race. It was as if he was still that five-year-old boy stuck in the attic. He remembered waking up in the fire and having no way to save himself. The picture burned into his heart that day, and he was awakened to who he truly was. All his piety and good deeds, all his methods of holiness, they were nothing. There was absolutely no way he could save himself from the fire of hell. But then he thought of this verse. This is how we know God. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. It was not his love for God that had the power to save him. It was God's love that had the power to save him. That day, John became a Christian. And the two brothers began to preach with a new vigor. Now they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they were on a mission. At that time in history, only the wealthy could attend church. You had to purchase a pew, and that was your family pew. Those who did not have money could not attend church. So the brothers started to go into the fields and hold services outside in the fields. People would come from all around and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so many people became Christians that this time in history is known as the Great Awakening. The brothers wanted to find a way to teach theology to the common people who could not read. The people who would never have a chance to go to college. So they wrote music with great theological truths as a way to teach the common people. Here is just one of the lyrics to their songs. And can it be? that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to death pursued? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Tis mercy all, let earth adore, let angel minds inquire no more. He left his Father's throne above so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all immense and free, for, oh my God, it 
found out me. The brothers' impact on the church is still felt today. There were other friends from the Holy Club days who joined in with their mission. One man, William Wilberforce, made it his life goal to end debtor's prison and abolish slavery. And we're going to have an entire episode on him in a few weeks. The brothers continued to preach. However, John became the better preacher and Charles became the great songwriter. In 1751, slavery was finally abolished in England, and the Great Awakening was a large part of that. We're going to be talking a lot more about that in future episodes. By the time Charles died in 1788, he had written over 6,000 hymns. There are so many great things we can learn from the life of these men. I hope you enjoyed that replay from Season 5 of the Wesley Brothers. One of the great songs that Charles wrote was And Can It Be? A little fun fact. The song was misprinted when it was put into our hymn books. We have a chorus where the last two lines of verse 1 are repeated as a chorus. However, it was supposed to be the last two lines of each verse that was repeated. And that is a really powerful way to sing the song. I am really thankful that the Village Chapel has allowed me to use their version of the song, And Can It Be? They sang it the way it was originally written. Enjoy this, and if you want to hear more of their music, you can check out their YouTube channel with links in the show notes. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior?
Oh.